Hi everyone, welcome to today's podcast. This is some training that I tend to do for teams. It's called Accelerated Resilience for Teams. And this is taken from a free YouTube taster that I do for that training. Uh, so if you look down in the description of the podcast, you'll see a link that will bring you to that YouTube training and you can watch it there. If this is something that you're interested in, drop me a line on my email, which is also in the description. So I've been teaching resilience for um, getting on for 10 years now. And I've taught probably tens of thousands of people. And, and the way that I work is through the feedback that I get from what I teach. So it's a thing called incremental improvement. And the way it works is if I discover a practice, I try it out. I'll monitor it and see how it works for me. The places that practices come from, some of them are ancient, uh, really ancient, thousands of years. Others I discover through scientific research. Um, that hasn't been particularly fruitful, but it's improving the, uh, the usefulness of the interventions that we can apply improves over time. And the third one is that I discover something. And usually when I did no, nothing, there's nothing new. When I discover something, what I'm doing generally is I'm taking training and practices that already exist and altering them or I, I discover something while I'm training while I'm practicing and then what happens is the iterative process operates where generally speaking what I do is introduce it to a group of students that has a fair amount of experience so that they can evaluate it as some of you guys know some of the things that I've introduced recently I'll, I'll have asked you for feedback and bless you some of you get back to me and, and, and let me know and then what happens is I'll, I'll roll it out into my training and throughout the whole process this, this iterative process I then evaluate it in comparison based on the effects and responses that I hear from people compare it to the training that was there in the first place and then if it's valuable enough I'll adopt it as a key practice and so what happens is there there are there are I mean some of some of you may remember practices such as character counting which is a very valuable thing and I might, I might slip that in today because it's a, a quick and short intervention there's this constant improvement continuous improvement process where we are at the moment is pretty much everybody to a greater or lesser extent is experiencing a thing called pandemic burnout 
and if you're you're not experiencing it, some of the people around you will be. And what that is, that's a combination of these three things. It's anxiety, so overnight almost, a large part of the population is visited with health anxiety. And then, of course, there's uncertainty. And the uncertainty is often financial uncertainty. So there's financial anxiety. So you get health anxiety and financial anxiety. There's a sense of feeling trapped and helpless because you can no longer do a lot of the things that you used to do. I've been keeping an eye on the mental health information, the valuable mental health information that there's not a great deal of it because I, I think they want to you know in a, in a in a caring government propaganda kind of way not say things such as that there's a tidal wave of mental health issues for example because it's actually not helpful that kind of announcement so it's reasonably subdued but the information's there and one of the things for example is a lot of people who are in work and older are really frustrated by the fact that they can't actually get away because this is, for many of us, this is our safety valve. When I was undergoing extreme stress and I didn't have these tools to cope with it, one of the ways that I would cope with it was would be by travelling, getting away. The fact that one cannot do that when you're under stress is a, pr a problem. So we have this pandemic burnout, there's anxiety, there's a limitations on your freedom, sense of, of feeling trapped, and there's uncertainty. It's a not a good combination. I won't go into it any further than that, but though just those three things, if you experience those together, then there's going to be a lot of worry, anxiety and stress at the very least. And then there's, there's all sorts of potential consequences. Especially as we're all separated from each other and we are designed not to be. So what to do about this? Now, I've got a number of my students who've arrived today and you've heard some of the things that I'm teaching you won't have necessarily heard it this way. And then there'll be new people who don't know anything about me and don't know anything about what I teach. It doesn't matter for everybody. There's a key set of techniques that people are more likely to adopt. It's the softest, gentlest way into a set of practices that enable you to cope with adversity like this. Somebody very wisely and insightfully pointed out, because I was explaining in, in my usual verbose manner, how the mind operates when we're feeling overwhelmed. And they said, so there's a cycle of worry and anxiety and stress. And I've always referred to it uh, typically as a negative feedback loop but the cycle each one of these can intervene in your happiness and trigger either of the other two so for example you a worry could arise 
uh, and then you'll get stress and anxiety or you might just feel stress. Most people, one of the things you'll learn is how how to evaluate your stress. And then you may just feel anxious about something. What we want to be able to do is to intervene in that cycle in as soft and gentle a way as possible. And we want it to be soft and gentle because we want it to be repeatable and we, we don't want to have any barrier to the techniques that we're using that are designed to intervene in this cycle. Stress is the body's response to adversity. Yeah. It's a natural response. It's an easy thing to measure in science. We can measure people's heart rate. We can measure their blood pressure. We can measure the level of cortisol, which is a reasonably simple swab, up, swab beneath the tongue, cortisol being a stress chemical. We can do things like a little memory test as your stress grows, your memory fails. As an individual, for us to measure our stress, we have to look for tension. Yeah? Tension in the body, tightness. And it takes a while, but we'll have a look at it today. There's another way. To intervene in worry, what we need to do is build focus. Whatever you might think about your capacity to multitask, if you're multitasking, what's happening is your single awareness is moving very quickly from one thing to another. Yeah. So if you're driving along in a car, you're also having a conversation, but what's happening is, is your brain is, if, if it's an important conversation, your brain is moving your attention from your driving to the conversation and back again so quickly that you don't notice it happening, but you have one attention. If you're driving and having a conversation and you pick up your phone, for example, to read an email, very, very high chance you're going to have an accident almost immediately. Because the brain reasonably good at doing these two things when it comes to three. Unless you've had an awful lot of training in doing just that thing. You know, driving while talking and texting. Don't even think about it for a second. Um, unless, you, unless you've trained in that for years probably. Uh, you're not going to be able to keep the vehicle on the road. So that focus... When the mind is drawn to worry, we need to be experts at bringing it somewhere else. And to resolve anxiety, you may have heard about acceptance. Essentially, the way that meditation works with anxiety over time is that we become aware of our anxiety and we become familiar and comfortable with it. It's a thing known as exposure therapy, and that takes a while. But bearing in mind that all of these three are linked together, if we have a quick practice that will intervene in, say, stress, or we have a quick practice that will help to direct our mind away from the scenario that it's created, 
then we're intervening in all three of these. Yeah, so if we if we crack one nut, we've cracked them all. So that's what today's session is about. It's just an introduction. We need, I need enough time to be able to teach this to a group. So, you know, if there's anybody listening today that thinks that this would, you know, once you've tried it out, thinks that this would be useful to teach to a group, what I'll need is a couple of lunch times to, to be able to get it across. This is just a taster. Okay, so the first thing to do when we're in a high stress situation, and I know this from personal experience, and I've had an immense amount of feedback from my students. The mind's going crazy. You're worried as worried can be. You're feeling stressed. You're feeling anxious. What do you do? What you do is focus on the breath. Very, very simply. The most useful, most easily adopted intervention practice of all is to focus on the breath and the easiest, gentlest, softest way to do that is with a thing called the four six breaths. Okay. So with the four six breaths, what we want to be able to do is to regulate our breathing. Now this is really useful as a an entry into even something like a regular meditation practice. Because there you are, you're stressed, you've had a busy day, and you want to be able to move over to relaxation as quickly as you possibly can. So the thing to do is to learn to do the four six breaths, the best way is to learn to count seconds. And the way to count seconds is you count them in your head, and it's not just one, two, three, four, because if I count one, two, three, four, it comes to two and a half seconds. I know, I've measured. We count one, one thousand, two, one thousand, three, one thousand, four, one thousand. On the in-breath, and then on the out breath, one one thousand, two one thousand, three one thousand, four one thousand, five one thousand, six one thousand. That's one one thousand, two one thousand, three one thousand, four one thousand while you're breathing in, and while you're breathing out, one one thousand, two one thousand, three one thousand, four one thousand, five one thousand, six one thousand. And what we do is do that for a couple of minutes. So you're just f noticing the breath. Four seconds on the in-breath, six, six seconds on the out-breath. If you don't like the 1,000, an alternative is one elephant, two elephants, three elephants, four elephants. Breathing out, one elephant, two elephants, three elephants, four elephants five elephants, six elephants. 
Let's practice that for the next minute or two. So completing that exercise, the next thing that you can do, that you can do very, very quickly, is to move your focus. Okay, so what we've, what we've done there, that practice works largely on anxiety and slightly on stress. So, you know, some people it will be the other way around, you know, no, nobody's the same, but it's the most universal way of intervening with stress and anxiety. Then we've got the anxiety-worry link. Uh, and what we want to be able to do, and focus works for both worry and anxiety. So the question becomes, what do we focus on? If you just get yourself comfortable, and what I'll do is I'll lead you into a little exercise where we're, we're going to relax the body and relax the face and head in a very specific way because I, I want you to learn to be able to bring your focus to a place in your head. And learn to be able to use that as a way of refocusing away from whichever narrative or scenario it is that's running in your head that, that will be generating the anxiety and, and the stress. So if you just get yourselves comfortable, and what I'll do is I'll teach this as a meditation. But for those of you who've never meditated before, don't worry. 
The sound of the bell is only here to help to reconnect us to the present moment. And the way that it does it is by allowing us to notice the tiny, tiny sound moving through time. So you'll be able to notice that as I strike the bell. Stick with the sound. Sound, noticing the passage of time, is one of the most useful ways into the present moment. As is the breath. And the place to notice the breath is just at the point where the belly meets the chest. And yet again you're noticing it so that you can notice the movement of the belly moving through time. So the, the mind can be aware of sound and aware of the movement of the belly at the same time. As it moves through the present moment. So the next thing is to bring your attention to your forehead and notice your head balanced on top of your spine. Place the elbows by the side, feet flat on the floor, I'm assuming you're sitting. Head balanced comfortably on top of the spine. 
tongue gently in contact with the sharp part of the bottom teeth, just resting on the sharp part of the bottom teeth. And you'll notice you naturally breathe in and out through the nostrils. And so to bring your awareness to your forehead, if you take the palm of your hand and place it close to your forehead, but without actually touching, you'll notice sensations there, tingling and warmth. You put your hand back down. And there you are, you're getting feedback. You're what I call connected now to your forehead. Check back in with the body, head balanced comfortably, elbows by the side, feet on the floor. Tongue up against the sharp part of the bottom teeth. You're noticing the sensation in the forehead. Notice the forehead as you breathe out. We're associating the out-breath with that part of the body. Then the eyebrows. And the eyes. Just for a moment, smile with your eyes. And then bring your awareness to the sensation of the tongue in contact with the sharp part of the teeth. And then noticing the eyes as you breathe out. And the cheeks. Mouth and lips and jaw. Noticing the out-breath as you focus on these parts of the body. It's like holding a flashlight. The flashlight of our awareness. Our one focused awareness and we're refocusing it as we move down and the back and sides of the neck and the shoulders okay and now the whole of that area breathing in normally breathing out like a wave of relaxation moving down the face forehead eyes cheeks, mouth and lips, jaw, back and side of the neck, shoulders. Okay, so now what I'd like you to do is bring your awareness to a place In the center line of the head, 
so it's between the eyes, above and behind the eyes. It's kind of as if we're looking into the body a little bit. So what we've done as we move down the face, we've focused our awareness on the surface of the face. But a lot of the feedback you've been getting would have been from tension in the muscles, which are actually inside the face, inside the head. So now we're moving our attention to that place, which is just above and behind the eyes and in the center between the eyes. And that's got a name, it's called the inner eye. It's not, there's no spiritual connotations within this. It's just a name. And allow yourself to be aware of the breath rising and falling. Okay, so now a little exercise. <coughs> There's a sense of being in a particular place in our body, usually in our head. If you ask human beings in the West, where is, where is the center of you? Where is the, the center of your being? We'll usually point at the head. And there's a sense of observing everything else from that point. Now the thing to do is to make that place your awareness of your experience. So it's as if it is an eye that's allowing you to notice everything. All the external senses and what you feel and think and you're noticing them all from that place, the inner eye just above and behind the eyes and because the brain can do these two things so seamlessly it seems like one also bring your attention to a place at the back of the neck so if you move your finger down from the hairline at the back of your neck, you get to a one of the cervical vertebrae in the spine that sticks out down there between your shoulders. So allow yourself to be aware of your inner eye and that place in your neck at the same time. That's how you're noticing, how you're aware of everything. And there's the breath rising and falling. And there's sound moving through time.
if the body becomes tight, if you notice any tension, you move your focus to that tension and just breathe out as you notice it. So you're associating the out breath with releasing tension from that part of the body and then you bring it back, back to the inner eye and the neck, the back of the neck. So this is the point from which you're witnessing your internal and external experience. And you're just staying there. You're noticing time passing. Breath rising and falling. And what you're discovering is this is a place to come to provide this focused relaxation. So what does sound the bell again? And so if you have anything you need to change, just stay with that because there's more to come. The only thing you need to change is if you wish you can open your eyes but there's no need to so these for most people are a frictionless experience noticing the movement of sound through time Noticing the movement of the belly through time or any other movement. Bringing our awareness to the inner eye and the back of the neck. And engaging in the exercise of witnessing our experience from that place the inner eye and the back of the neck. So it's as if the awareness is somehow outside us and we bring it back in again. And that's the place that we bring it. And notice how you feel and compare that with how you often feel and recognize 
that being able to bring your awareness to this place is a, an exercise in focus that moves it away from the scenarios of whatever the mind's narrative has chosen that's causing you anxiety and causing you worry. So this, this is the solution to worry. However, it's not always accessible. So it's not always possible to reconnect with this awareness. And the times when it's not possible are times when, for example, you're stressed. And that's what the 4-6 breaths is for. Not only the 4-6 breaths, there's a number of other breathing practices that I teach. So, let's say there's a negative feedback loop cycle, worry, anxiety, stress, worry, anxiety, stress. You become aware of it. You choose to bring your awareness to this frictionless place. You choose to notice sound moving through time. Notice the movement of the belly. But you can't. You do the breathing practice. Four, six breaths for two minutes. And then come back to this. For want of a better word, we can call this metacognition, if you want to be scientific about it, or you can call it witness presence, if you don't want to be scientific about it. Same thing. Witness presence. You're witnessing your experience. You're here. It's not the same as mindfulness. Mindfulness brings mindfulness, but it's not. It's witness presence. You're witnessing your experience, your present, your here. Mindfulness is a characteristic of it. And so then it's a matter of bridging the gap between whatever stress you experience and this with breathing and relaxation because that's what we've done. Started off with the four, six breaths. That will have cut into your stress levels. It will have had all sorts of physiological effects that I wanted to show you, but the slight technical glitch stopped that. It doesn't matter. You will have noticed. We then did some relaxation. And if you practice it on a reasonably regular basis, you'll be able to relax pretty quickly on an out-breath, basically. So we've got the breathing technique, regulate the stress. We've got the relaxation, also regulate the stress and anxiety. And the, the focus on the present moment, in the present moment, the scenario doesn't exist more aware you are of what you can see and hear and smell and touch and taste 
but it, it, that we need something to hang on to. So just being here, just staying mindful doesn't work. We need so, uh, to connect physiologically in a way that also has mindfulness as part of it. And that's how this inner eye focus and witness presence or metacognition, call it whatever you like, that's how it works. Okay, so that in a nutshell is an insight into accelerated resilience. And, you know, although I've taken a while teaching this, this is how it works. Going through your day, it's churning away. You bring your awareness to your inner eye and the back of your neck. Notice whatever tension there is, release it. If you can't, breathing practices. Four, six breaths or one of the other ones that I teach. And then back to the inner eye. Relax, can't relax, breathing and relaxation. Then try again. And what we're doing is we're, we're moving from a repetitive, unhelpful narrative, stress, worry and anxiety cycle into a present moment experience that we can actually get hold of. And that's like the foundations of mindfulness-based resilience. Okay, so that's it for the Accelerated Resilience Taster session. Hope you all enjoyed that.